2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Their
3: experience in sports varies. Of course, uh, Vinny's got uh, experience in the NFL, and I sucked at uh, electric football.
4: Vinny and Haney, 105.7 Fan.
3: What a crush Wednesday. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. What's happening, everybody? Bob Haney, Vinny Serato. Anything you want to hear? Favorite female artist or band? Send a request, plots for text line, 410-583-1057. It's also the phone lines if you want to join us. It's uh, Janet Jackson, isn't it? Yep. I believe she's coming around town here soon, locally. Janet Jackson. (coughs) If you haven't figured it out, she's a member of the Jackson family. We're not here to talk about here. We're here to talk about the divisional round of the playoffs. The Ravens hosting a playoff game for the first time in four years, and we don't want to revisit that, or do we? Joining us now from the Baltimore Sun to break it down, talk about the returning players to practice yesterday. He's on the uh, WGK Law guest hotline. He is Brian Wacker. Brian, what's happening? Good morning. Happy Woman Crush Wednesday.
5: Happy 22 degrees outside Wednesday.
3: Yeah, well, that's a Ravens and those of you who have to cover the Ravens thing to deal with later on this afternoon. But Mark Andrews came back late last week, practiced yesterday. We heard John Harbaugh say that as good as he's looked and gives us chances to paraphrase a little bit. And we were talking earlier with some of our listeners about the dilemma, air quotes, of having Andrews back with likely playing so well. Is it, assuming he even plays, Brian, is it a dilemma really? for Todd Monken to have Mark Andrews back at this stage?
5: Well, look, it's a good problem to have, right, given the security blanket that Mark Andrews has been throughout Lamar's career. But, um, you know, I'd be surprised this week if he were to play a lot. Remember this guy who hasn't played in two and a half months, we're talking about, you know, essentially a week's worth of practice. He was limited yesterday, though. He did look good running, did look good cutting, Made a really nice sideline grab in quarterback drills, where he he actually leaped up into the air and snagged it, and uh, and came down, and and you wouldn't know he was hurt if if uh, you didn't know any better. But again, that's different than playing in a game, um, you know, your first game in over two months. So uh, to me, I'd be shocked if he sees um, much, if any, playing time at all, and I think he you know, as you guys hit on earlier, you know, Isaiah Likely's been rolling. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think, uh, you know, he's a guy who who tends to play better when he's confident. And you certainly don't want to do anything to maybe alter that confidence by taking reps away from him.
4: Hey, Brian, I told Bob earlier, you know, if and when um, Mark comes back, I think he comes in as the number two tight end and you just let Likely keep rolling.
0: Yeah,
5: I, I don't think that's. Unreasonable and look, you know Isaiah's a guy you can kind of move. You can use them both, right? You can mm-hmm. put them on the outside. He's a guy that can go up and get those those deep balls along the sideline. So to me, it's it's a it's a great problem to have. Um, they've done remarkably well without Mark Andrews uh, these past few months. But uh, again, this is a guy who is a security blanket for Lamar when things break down. He's a guy who's a tremendous talent, tremendous experience. I'm sure is extremely hungry, given you know you guys referenced 2019 and the way things unfolded there. Uh, this this is a guy, um, you know, really a, a team. Even though that most of the guys, you know, there's only like nine guys on the roster who are part of that group. Uh, Lamar, of course, being one of them. You know, these are, these guys uh, want to move forward on that, and and I think uh, you know having Andrews and likely is a good problem to have.
4: Now the thing that scares me a little bit is um, Humphrey, you know, not pra- and a DB with a calf concerns me because he's he's got a pedal, plant, drive, do those things. So he's using this calf, you know, a lot to push off.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely a concern. Look, we've seen Brandon Stevens step up at corner this year. We've seen Darby step up in the outside role, but it's a concern. I mean, C.J. Stroud. This is a guy who's coming off a terrific game against that Cleveland Browns defense, shredded them really. And he's very good on those intermediate and deep throws. Um, you'll see a lot of, you know, those play action rollouts, that sort of stuff. And that's, uh, you know, that middle area of the field, that's an area in, in that intermediate zone that the Ravens have struggled at, you know, they've struggled at times this year. And that's, that sort of fits into Marlin's window. So uh, in, in the slot uh, in, and also on the outside. So, To me, I think I think it's you know it could be a problem if if Houston's going to be in this game and win this game or have a chance to win this game, it's going to be because Shroud is able to one have time to throw, but also be able to hit those targets in that intermediate uh, range over the middle and on the outside.
4: I think you know watching the film and stuff. I think that the. Texans are weak inside, especially at the center spot. So, you know the Pierce, Michael Pierce, and Matabique and Travis Jones—they got to do a lot of pressure up the middle.
5: Absolutely, and that's been Matabike's specialty this year. We've seen Pierce step up at times, uh, and then you look at all the wizardry of Mike McDonald with twists and stunts and uh, dropping guys in the coverage, and, you know, deep linemen in the coverage and bringing linebackers. So, uh, to me, uh, you know that. Uh, the Ravens' success on defense will come down to that. Of course, they were able to do that quite well in Week One against this team, um, but this is not the same team, uh, as, you know, as Week One certainly. And, and the Ravens, in fairness, are not the same team offensively or defense uh, defensively as they were in Week One either.
4: Now, Week One, I I thought Lamar played bad. I mean, he fumbled twice, threw a pick. Nope. I didn't I didn't think he was very good at all. And all they did in that game was. Dink and dunk to Zay Flowers. All they did was quick screen to Zay and jet sweep to Zay. That's what they did.
5: <laughs> yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, this Houston defense is not one of the better secondaries in the league, nope. and they can be attacked, especially on the outside. So the Ravens, we've seen them, you know, these past few games, we've seen them take more and more shots downfield. Guys like Bateman can certainly stretch the field. We've, we've seen it, him and Lamar Almost connect. Even a guy like Odell, uh, we've seen him operate down the field and make some great plays. He's had that great catch down the field against the Dolphins on the sideline. So, mm-hmm. to me, uh, you know, I would I would be shocked if the Ravens don't dial up uh, their passing game here and, and take some shots.
3: Brian Wacker, Baltimore Sun, joining us video at Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Ravens now seven-point favorites, it seems. it Houston used to coming up Saturday afternoon, 4.30 in the cold. We've got people call in, text in, talking about the weather being detrimental to Lamar because, you know, he's from Florida, et cetera, et cetera. Are <laughs> you buying into any of that potential narrative here? Because it's cold for everybody when it's 25 degrees, Brian Wacker.
5: It is. Look, Lamar is a South Florida boy, uh, and, and, you know, uh, I, I lived in South Florida for a number of years, and, and we don't like this cold weather, um, for sure. But, you know, uh, I think it makes it difficult for everybody, as you noted. The thing to me that will be interesting is, um, you know, turnovers. Lamar's done a tremendous job of that, of late, not committing turnovers, not fumbling the ball, not having issues with handoffs on plays like he did, as you mentioned, uh, in that week one game. That's all been pretty, you know, pretty well cleaned up um, the past really like month or two uh, for this team. But when it's cold, that ball is slick. And, you know, that's going to be a case. So, you know, if the Ravens can force those turnovers against D.J. Shroud, uh, I think that will be hugely beneficial to them. And the key, of course, for the Ravens, a team that tends to jump out in front of teams and then, you know, hit the gas on defense, uh if they turn it over here early because ball gets slick, it gets away from Lamar or Gus Edwards or Justice Hill or one of the receivers, you know, then that's something to keep an eye on.
3: Brian Wacker, Baltimore Sun. Brian, we appreciate the time. We'll read your prediction Saturday morning in said newspaper. Have fun out there. One winning drive today. Thanks, as always. There's Brian Wacker, everybody. He is on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. We'll come back. It is the Whip Around Busy Night in Sports on a Tuesday night. And then Andy Koska is going to be joining us, Baltimore Banner, talking about the Orioles, pitchers and catchers. How about this? A little uh, February 14th action, full squad workout February
2: 20th. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong
0: place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: with brought to you by Fox Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes the best crab cakes in Harford
4: County Lotto five seven, The Fan
3: one hundred 1057 The band. Whip Around here on this woman crush Wednesday you pick the songs favorite female artist or band will play them for you Get it into the Plotsport text line at 410-583-1057. A lot of hardwood stuff. We'll get to that in a second. But on the frozen pond, as they say, Capitals taking on the Ducks. And old Tom Wilson got himself a gift at the end.
4: Kalorn gets involved in a tussle. 65 seconds to go. As we get to the McNugget, minute of the third. Tom Wilson to the empty cage. Bang!
3: That's Joe Beninati on the call. Monumental Sports, I guess the McNugget Minute is a sponsored segment there on their broadcast. But Tom Wilson, empty netter, Capital shut out the Ducks two zip.
4: Yeah, and Ethan Bear scored in the first period. Defenseman who they've gotten from um, Edmonton, who they needed more offensive um, defensemen because they don't they don't get a lot of action. Uh, Caps defense, and he scored for them early. And I mean. Gibson, the goalie for Anaheim, he was spectacular. He played great. I mean, the, the shot. I mean, Anaheim, I think they had three shots in the first, maybe like 10 in the second, and then they had a bunch more in the third. But the Cavs pretty much dominated that game, and Kemper played well. It was a good win for the Caps. Good win for the Caps. I think they're tied for fourth now, Bob.
3: 21-15-6 on the year. They will host the St. Louis Blues Thursday night. Blues Okay, whatever. 21 19 and 2. Not bad, not great. Just kind yeah. of there. I mean, mediocre. The, the,
4: the cat and Ovi didn't play again for third straight game. And the power play struggled a little bit. Uh, Oshie's playing really well. You know, the Oshi line with Strom and um, 67. Um, another older guy, 35 year old guy, Paul Um, They're playing good right now. So, I mean, the power play struggling without Ovi, but. They got to win those. Bob, they got to win 1-0, 2-1, 3-2. That's that's who they're not a big offensive performing team.
3: Haiti 105 7 The fan whip around basketball last night. We'll start with the NBA. Phoenix, 119-117 over Sacramento. The Suns were down 22 in the fourth quarter. Outscored the Kings. And they pulled it out. Kevin Herter, 10 points, three boards, two assists there. Alex Len. Yeah, well, played eight minutes, had two turnovers, three fouls. Not a stellar performance there for sure, but Grayson Allen, Dukie at 29 points as Phoenix pulled out the win there. It was the uh, Clippers 128-117 over Oklahoma City. Uh, boy, uh, Aaron Wiggins at 7 points, 4 boards to assist. Former Maryland Terrapin, Paul George leading the way for L.A. with 38 points there. Hardwood tonight, Maryland taking on Northwestern, as you heard during Joe's update. And we'll talk about next hour with Walt Williams. Terps, they've won two in a row, including a win at Illinois this past Sunday, 11-6, 3-3 in the Big Ten, Northwestern 12-4, 3-2, 9 o'clock tip. You can hear that game on the fan. But last night in the Big Ten, number two-ranked Purdue beat uh, Indiana 87-66. In Bloomington, Zach Eady 13-14 there. Penn State upset number 11, Wisconsin. 87-83 87-83 other top 25 games it was New Mexico 99-86 over 16th ranked Utah State Cincinnati BTCU, number 19 in overtime 81-77 it was K-State 68-64 over 9th ranked Baylor that 2 in overtime and in other Big 12 action it was 20th ranked BYU 87-72 over 24th ranked Iowa State so a little uh, college hoops fun there Going back to last night, this day in sports history, speaking of college hoops, 1979, 19th-ranked Maryland at Clemson, 77-63. Over the Clemson Tigers, Ernie Graham, Dunbar, Lake Clifton, 25. Ernie Graham, Larry Gibson, Dunbar, 15 points. Buck Williams had 10 as Maryland gets the win there. 1981, Clemson again. 10th-ranked Maryland beats 19th-ranked Clemson in overtime, 68-62. Albert King, 6 of his, 22 in the extra period, Ernie, Greg Manning, 15 each. Buck Williams, 12 and 10 there. 2001, Colfeel House, 12th rank. Maryland, 81-71 over 10th rank. Wake Forest. I miss these ACC games. Mm-hmm. I really do. Juan Dixon had 30. Terrence Morris had 20. Lonnie Baxter, 18. And on this day, January 17th, Orange Bowl in Miami. Super Bowl five. everybody. This happened with five seconds left.
0: And the kick is up. The kick is good. Jim O'Brien with five seconds. The Colts
3: lead 16-13. One play for Dallas. Morton is going to Bob Hayes, and it is intercepted. That's the ball game. Jerry Logan with that pick. Jim O'Brien, 32-yard field goal as the Baltimore Colts win Super Bowl 5-16-13. Over the Dallas Cowboys. One of the worst Super Bowls ever. Even though it was a close game. It was the first close Super Bowl. 11 turnovers. Colts had seven and still won the game. Chuck Alley had two picks. Only player to this day in Super Bowl history to be named MVP on the losing team. Wow. Kirk Gowdy, Kyle Roat were the uh, announcers for that game. And I was telling Nolan, the game ended. It was like... 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they switch to like the Bing Crosby Pro. <laughs> now the Super Bowl ends and it's like the new TV show for Insert Network here, but that's one of three Super Bowl trophies that reside here in the Charm City. Ravens trying to make it four over the next couple of weeks start their journey Saturday, 430, against the Houston Texans, which we'll talk about coming up at 12 o'clock. We got news from the Nest by sell coming up later in the show as well. House trip 1145, but coming up next, talk some Orioles. Birds coming off a 101-win season, less than a month away for pitchers and catchers. Andy Koska, Baltimore Banner.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
3: Next, here on The Fan.
4: The latest sports news, and your place to talk about it always. 105.7 The Fan.
3: Haiti 105.7 The Fan, Woman Crush Wednesday. Pick the songs, favorite female artist or band. will play them for you. Send your song request. Plot for text line at 410-583-1057. Bob Haiti, V.D. Serato. Talk a lot about the Ravens as the playoffs are upon us, at least Baltimore's first game this Saturday, 4.30. But with less than a month away from pitchers and catchers, the Orioles are the defending American League East champions. Expectations are high for them heading into the upcoming year. Here to talk about that the opening of the Dominican Training Academy from the Baltimore Banner. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back for the first time in a couple of months, Andy Koska. Andy, Happy New Year and everything else that happened in between last time we talked to you.
6: Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. All
3: right, let's talk about the international signing period first as the Orioles brought in 19 players, I guess, headlined, headlined by Emilio Sanchez, 16-year-old, a middle infielder-type stud. So talk about him, the money that they spent, and how the, the, the complex is going to help them attract possibly many more of the Samuel Basayo type players.
6: Yeah, well, you know, first was well, just the complex. I mean, these, the resources were not there under a previous regime, and now five years in under Michael I and this in this you know regime, you know, they're putting more effort into a um, you know international scouting into international development. Uh, this will help a lot. I mean, just the fact that players can at 16 years old train in the Dominican Republic at the state of their state of the art academy. They can learn English there. They can uh, uh, learn how the Orioles go about training. Uh, they can start their training exercises as as 16 year olds, and and they, you know, the Orioles follow that same methodology all the way to the big leagues, with with different, uh, you know, at bat uh, practices, things like that. Um, so it's a it's a huge benefit um, to to have a academy open down there, um, and it's a little bit like I, I kind of. Think of it a little bit like college recruiting when you're vying for, you know, players at this at this age. And, and, you know, if you're LSU and you show a show a guy a fancy locker room and say, like, hey, this is your locker room. That's that's a big plus compared to a school that might not have a, you know, big glitz and glamour locker room. This is a little bit in that same vein where suddenly the Orioles have a state of the art facility uh, in Dominican Republic that they can show, show players and and really pitch is like, Hey, this is going to make you the best player you're going to be to jump in Emilio Sanchez. Yeah. He, he led the class as a 1.3 million signing bonus Uh, was not a record total, but you know, it's, it's still a a pretty large amount for the O's and shortstop could play, you know, third base when he gets older uh, depending on, you know, how, how he kind of develops, you know, as age goes, Um, he has a lot of, you know, he, he's, He's young. I think that's the thing that you you stick with all these players is you don't necessarily know Basayo. It looks. I mean, now he's the number ten prospect in, in baseball according to Baseball America today that came out. Um, so it looks like the Orioles hit on another prospect. But um, a lot of these guys. I mean, he's a sixteen-year-old, so you got to give him time um, to develop and, and you know see how it how it goes. But uh, definitely a, a very good defender and pretty good bat as well. And there's yeah eighteen other guys in there that. You know, should at least get a shot and, and see what happens. Steven Martinez, among them, outfielder could play corner outfielder in the pro, in, in the future. Um, both of them are top thirty prospects on the international prospect list from, from MLB pipeline. So, quite the signing period for for the O's, and it, it might not be done. They have they still have uh, some money left in their uh, international signing pool.
3: All right, let's get to uh, pitchers and catchers now, Andy, from the Baltimore banner. Andy Koska, your old video at 81-057, the fan. Less than a month away from those players uh, heading down old Sarasota, getting ready to defend that AL East championship. But we know the pitchers that are on the 40-man now and the minor league signees, et cetera, et cetera. How many more additions should we expect from Mike Elias before they eventually get to Florida? And most importantly, I guess, Andy, before they come up to Baltimore in March.
6: Yeah, I still expect, uh, you know, probably another major league reliever, um, kind of maybe even a a Shantara Fujinami coming back, um, you know, with a team-friendly deal, see what happens in spring training if if you like what he has. Um, Just to bolster a little bit of that that bullpen. They have a lot of arms back there, but um, you can really never have too many relief arms. And, And be it a waiver claim or, you know, they, they obviously Danny Coulomb, If you think about it, was a waiver claim right as spring training was ending, and it turned out great. So I, I imagine they'll still they'll still look for relief help and, and see if you know a couple of them a couple of them hit big like like Danny Coulomb did. Or um, and I, I you know I I don't know if they will go. You know it's the million dollar question is, is is whether the Orioles will shell out for for an ace type pitcher. You know be that a trade for. Uh, jesus luzardo from the from the marlins or dylan sees from the white Sox. uh you could you know corbin burns in milwaukee uh there's shane bieber in cleveland you know there's 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 guys out there that you think could be upgrades or at least you know top half of the rotation guys remains to be seen if if those uh you know if those deals will will get done because they are large asking prices i think it comes with the territory of having the best farm system in baseball teams are going to ask big first so maybe as spring training gets closer to um, the start uh, of spring training, uh, teams will drop their, um, you know, teams will be a little a bit more desperate to move on to their uh, season goals and season plans and what their roster looks like. And they wanted to move on from the guys. So maybe, maybe it'll be easier to get a deal then, but, but no guarantees there. Uh, I still imagine that they would add another starting pitcher, um they ha even if they kept the group they have now, you have to feel pretty good about what you saw from Grayson Rodriguez the latter half of the season. Dean, you know Dean Kramer was was pretty good overall. Kyle Bradish looks like an ace. Uh, Tyler Wells' first half was phenomenal. You have John Mean coming back. DL Hall is kind of a wild card, so you have options at starting pitcher. Um, so you feel pretty good right now if you're the Orioles, but you you did lose. And, and you know when I say Kyle Gibson, I don't mean he was an ace, but he pitched nearly 200 innings for the Orioles, and and that was those 200 innings were huge. I mean, just for wear and tear on a on a young staff. And so I think you are missing a guy um, that can pitch a lot of innings. And maybe you know maybe uh, you know Grayson and Cal and Bradas turn into that. You know maybe they pitch 200 innings this year. But it's still you know you you would like maybe a Mike Clevenger, a second tier starting pitcher that that has the potential to carry some innings if you need it. Uh, You know, James Paxton has so many injury history, you know, has has a a long injury history the past couple of seasons, but maybe you make a gamble there. Um, So we'll we'll see what they do. I still imagine some, some additions, you know, before spring training starts.
3: And Andy, you mentioned uh, Grayson Rodriguez and tail of two halves. He was bad in the first half, was sent back to the minors reestablished himself and then came back second half. He and Bradish had what, two of the five lowest starter ERAs in the American league. How much more can they hope that he levels up in 2024?
6: I think, I think you can hope for the tale of a young pitcher is always going to be kind of two steps forward, one step back. So, I think you'll you'll have some really great outings, and then you'll have some outings again that are like, oh, okay, you know, he got beat up on his fastball here, or, or you know, maybe he didn't have any curveball command today. You know, that's that's kind of the, the tale of a young pitcher. He's 24. I mean, he's he's a young guy. He's got a long career ahead of him. But I think he will be a major piece of this rotation. You know, maybe the second starter behind Braddish, um, if they don't add another guy. Yeah, I think uh, you know, pretty pretty big year uh, from, from, from Grayson coming up. I actually was just talking to him on the phone a little bit ago. I have a story on the Baltimore banner coming out, you know, either late this week or early next week um, about what he learned from 2023. He's been devouring film. Uh, he, he himself said, you know, that he looks back at that, that one postseason game and he, he knows now he was way too amped. He was trying to be too fine. He was overthrowing and, 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 what happens on that when, when he overthrows his four seam fastball, it actually has kind of a two seam fastball motion. Uh, you know, it runs in on a right hander, so he misses spots compared to compared to having some rise and a little bit of cut to it. So interesting that, you know, he, he you know, wasn't his fastball, which was such a weapon for him in that second half of the season, you know, he was trying maybe to throw it a little too hard. And uh, in that in that sense his command wasn't as good. Uh, his corporate, you know, he his, his wasn't placing it in the zone where he wanted to because it was actually it was actually uh, running inside a little bit. It had some arm slide, arm slide run, uh, which is, you know, bizarre for a four-seamer to have. But he just was, you know, gripping too hard, throwing too hard. Um, so I think those are all incredibly valuable things for, for Grayson to learn as as a rookie. And now he's going to come into 2024, and I think it would be better than he was last year.
3: Hey, When you said Fuji, I think uh, Nolan went out and uh, got his Fuji uh, jersey out of mothballs. No, actually, he's anti-Fuji, as a matter of fact. Andy Koska, Baltimore Banner, appreciate the time. Enjoy the, uh, what, next couple of weeks before you head on down to Sarasota with the team looking to defend that AL East Championship, and we'll be talking to you a lot over the next, I don't know, nine, ten months here.
6: Sounds good. Thank you, guys.
3: You got it. Andy Koska, everybody. It's Video at 81057. We'll come back, take a trip to the pun house. We think, Nolan, Fuji back? No need. All right, we'll no talk need. about that and more news from the NAS coming up, top of the hour. Sucks.
4: They don't. Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan.
3: Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Women Crush Wednesday. Pick a song, we'll play it. Famous, or favorite, or they're famous, I'm sure. Female artist or band news for the Nets coming up top of the hour. We're going to hear from the Ravens who met with the media yesterday ahead of the playoff game this Saturday at 4 30 against the Houston Texans. If you want to join us to talk about that, you can at 410 583. 1057. That's the WGK Law. Phone lines, buy or sell 1215. Count that midweek money. If you're having a party, for instance, you can going to have some extra cake for the postseason. The Wiz, Walt Williams, talk about Maryland Northwestern tonight. 9 o'clock tip, a game you can hear on the fan. Viddy's going to break down Houston on film around 1245. Coming up at one NFL lunch, going to hear from D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud as they talk about this matchup with Baltimore rematch from week one, and then Ryan Wilson, CBSSports.com, will talk playoffs and start looking ahead to the draft. Caleb Williams made it official. He's going to the NFL. Does he want to go to Chicago? Do the Bears even want him? Is he the number one pick? Ryan Wilson shares all of that news, his opinion-wise, anyway, round 115. But let's bring Nolan in. Quick draw, what's up? Doing good. You just had to had to bring up Fuji. Huh? I didn't bring him up.
1: Well, Any well, I mean, Koska brought him to... up. Had to bring up my, uh, I don't know. Hate? Not hate. We don't hate anyone here. Just a, a mm-hmm. lack of interest in him returning to the Orioles.
3: Um, who do you dislike more, him or Demarcus Robinson? Oh, two different sports, but, you know, D Rob was a contributor to a team that made the playoffs. Probably Demarcus Robinson. Why? Seemed, I don't like his, uh, his lack
1: of fundamentals oh. that he displayed with the Ravens. Carried the ball with, uh, with no urgency. At least Fuji's out there trying, giving it his all.
3: Hold a grudge much or what? Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, he's long not gone. Not our problem anymore. Uh, he scored a touchdown in the Ravens playoff game last year. And what's he doing right now? Well, he's going to be watching the He'll Ravens watching, and the yeah. Texans <laughs> on TV at home. What else is going on in your world over there, Quick Draw?
1: Uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Excited for the Terps tonight. We'll see if they can win back-to-back road games. Yeah, I was still one looking up this information for update purposes. They haven't won back-to-back Big Ten road games since 2020.
3: Uh, I mean, that's absurd. six years. Sticks, Man. Cowan, Wiggins. Right. Yeah. The co-Big Ten champions. Mm-hmm. The COVID year, as we'll call it. And I now. know
1: they've been spotty since then, transitioning from Turgeon to Willard, but still not two road games in a row in the Big Ten distinction there but still I mean that's
3: a little absurd a little ridiculous well they're gonna to have to rectify that problem then tonight getting four and a half points in Evanston game you hero on the fan and we'll talk about that Walt Williams but uh we'll talk more Terps next hour right now let's go to that fun house with Nolan McGraw Mr. Excitement for you everybody Quick Draws, Funhouse.
2: The, the, draw, the,
3: the Rudeness, Tuneness
4: text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake.
2: I like that quick draw.
4: 1057, the
1: fan. Start with this text here says, I think Lamar may be nervous or a bit uptight for a drive, but if the run game is cooking out the gate, he can sprinkle in a good throw or two. I think he'll be fine and rolling from there.
4: Uh, uh, my gut tells me that they're going to come out throwing, Bob. Houston's defense is real good against the run, not so good against the pass. I I just think they're going to come out throwing. The receivers are all healthy, ready to roll. You know, I, uh, I just kind of have a funny feeling they're going to come out throwing the ball.
1: This one here from Chris says, uh, didn't get to watch much of Texans Browns, but A bit concerning to see how many points they did score on a good Browns defense. Just hope the Ravens start fast, make them doubt they belong in the game.
4: The only thing is, is the Browns defense wasn't good on the road. Browns defense was awesome at home. So were the Browns. And, you know, their defense, when they got a lead and when they didn't get a lead two Totally different things, and against Houston, they were turning people loose all day long. I mean, Bob, there was running guys running wide open, and it didn't help that Joe basically back to back through pick sixes, and that kind of ended the game.
1: Uh, Howard in Baltimore checking in here says, While Houston has talent, uh, they lack postseason experience. Meanwhile, the Ravens, plenty of veterans that have been to and won Super Bowl, along with just playoff experience in general. Uh, Not taking Houston for granted, but this could turn ugly like San Francisco and Miami. Uh, Again, Howard and Baltimore there.
4: I think it's got a chance, Norm. I think it's got a chance to. If the Ravens are playing their A game and they're getting after Stroud, I just don't think that Houston has a, other than Collins and Schultz and maybe a little Singletary, they just don't have a lot of weapons.
1: And one last one here from Gill in Bel Air says, uh, "With interviews happening fast and furious right now, if you had to guess, where would you uh, place some of the top coaching candidates—Harbaugh, Belichick, Carroll, uh, Vrabel?" Um,
4: Vrabel, I'm not sure of. I, I, Vrabel, if I think Vrabel would be a perfect fit in Dallas, I think he'd be a good fit in Dallas. You know, if not Belichick. If Belichick wants to put up with Jerry, I don't know. I think Harbaugh would be ideal for the Chargers. Um, Or Vrabel would be great in Philly. I think Vrabel would be good in in either one of those situations because Philly's got issues. I I still think we're going to have a couple more openings.
3: Yeah, Atlanta interviewed Jim Jim Harbaugh. Uh. What about Ben Johnson and some of these He's gonna get something
4: Ben Car would be
3: more sought after? The the Super Bowl winning coaches or the the hot new young assistants coming up through the ranks here.
4: Well, owners that don't wanna pay are not not gonna want Harbaugh, Belichick, Brable because they'll get paid or Pete Carroll. Ben Johnson? I would think that, that Carolina wants a Ben Johnson because those veteran guys they ain't going to Carolina. So I would think they got to go after him in um, Atlanta. Uh, I don't see. I, I see them with a veteran guy. I see the Chargers with a veteran guy. They've done the cheap young guy no. in the past. And and then Bob, if 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 um, Dallas or Philly or Andy Reid retires. In Kansas City, those are all plum jobs that a veteran, that I would want a veteran guy because they're ready to win right now.
3: And by the way, cross Mike Tomlin off the possibly out of a job list, as he told the team yesterday. He's coming back to fulfill the final year of his contract. And I wouldn't be surprised, Vinny, if there's a contract extension in there at some point in time.
4: Yeah, I would imagine that he'll get another two or three years added on to that, would be my guess.
3: It's Vinny at Haiti, 105.7, so the fan news for the Nets. Going to hear from the Ravens. We met with the media yesterday. Talk about the playoff game against the Texans. Buy or sell. Where's the money? Walt Williams. will talk about Maryland Northwestern tonight. And then Vinny breaks down that Houston team coming off a playoff win a convincing one against the Browns and what they could do to make life miserable for Harbaugh and Crew, starting 4.30 in the cold at MIT Bank State. Okay,
2: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.